You're listening to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Each week, our team at Wakarusa Missionary Church invites you to join us for a conversation around the topics that shape our lives at home and beyond. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Angie, we are back in studio for a bonus episode is what we're calling it today. It feels like we just did this two days ago, but here we are back in the studio for a bonus episode. So one of the programs we have here at our church is called MOTS, Mothers of Tots to Teens. And today you had a special guest and uh, was talking about identity issues. And so we wanted to have a conversation today with your guest, but introduce the people who are in the room with us today. Yes, I um, am so excited to get started on these bonus episodes and have some new voices on the mic. And so with us today is Dawn Payne. Welcome. Hi, thank you. Hi, Dawn. And you, um, can you just tell us a little bit um, about yourself, you're here and what you do, and maybe your kids. Yes. So I'm a teacher right now. So I'm currently teaching at Napanee and Woodview. I split my day there. My husband's the principal at Woodview. Um, we have four kids Maddie is 20, JJ is 18, Claire is 16, and Reed is 12. And so we live here in Wakarusa. So. Yeah, so you're familiar with our community and yes. some of our listeners here today. And then we got a brand new guest, Chris. I'm excited about this guy in the studio. We're breaking him in today. All He's right. our executive leader. He is Brant Nine. Yes. Brant, welcome. Yeah, thanks. Do you feel like this is like a test? Yeah. Are you evaluating me? No, no, we're welcoming you. So I feel it's important to to qualify why we invited Brant into this uh, podcast, because um, as Dawn uh, shared this morning to our group of 58 moms downstairs, there's a large group. um, She talked about identity, but we kind of wanted to uh, have this bonus episode to talk about the next generation. And many of you know that Brant came to us straight out of the classroom and the the, um, system here at um, Wani. And so I just invited him into this conversation because I think he has some great insight into what's going on in our kids and um, the things in our families and our community. And so we're going to kind of talk through this um, based upon how we as parents, as mentors, as coaches, as Mm -hmm. teachers can really influence our kids and um, the people that God's given us to steward. Mm -hmm. So one of the first things we're going to kick off with is um, let's talk about the problem today, when we hear the word identity and where kids are at, it's that's a big um, issue, I guess you could say, that's out there in culture. And so, Dawn, tell us a little bit about you're in the classroom, you're in the um, P, you teach PE, mm-hmm. you are on um, your um, in sporting events. I mean, there's a lot tied to this word identity mm-hmm. today. Can you? Yeah, I think as a teacher and parent, I, we have found. Man, kids are looking all over the place for who they are. They don't know who they are, and they might not have someone at home infusing that truth. And so they're going to grab a hold of whatever it is that they can find. And I spent a couple of years at the middle school. And so, I mean, that struggle is real once they hit about sixth grade. But I think a lot of times their behavior and their performance and what they do, a lot of times that's how they're trying to figure out who they are. So if they're good, if they're bad, if they're super athletic or super musical, then that's who I am. And so I think just as a teacher trying to navigate through those, because some of those, they're not always positive because again, in, in sports, like there's going to be good games and there's going to be bad
bad games. And so if your identity is tied to how you perform, it will change game to game and day by day in our lives. And so it's like it's got to be it's got to be more secure and more foundational than just that. Right. Yeah. I I taught eight eight years in the fourth grade environment. And I would say that when kids move on to fifth and sixth grade, they're kind of moving on to the years where they are going to make the decision of which path they're going to take, at least for a little while. And a lot of times that, that, that goes right into what Dawn was saying, uh, is my identity found in sports? Is it found in music? Is it found in the kids I'm hanging out with? Um, and, and they make those, they make their decision um, at those ages. And that, and then that tends to lead them um, on different paths that way. So definitely saw it in the classroom, definitely saw it um, as far as coaching kids go. Um, the, the identity, searching for your identity and how it wavers um, and, and those things is, is pretty evident in, in the kids when, when we're looking at it from an education standpoint. Right, right. So we know that that's definitely a, um, one of the things we want to say that a kid is looking for identity. Mm-hmm. So the people that are put in the uh, child's life to lead them, there's a big responsibility in forming a life. Like as a parent, that's one of the biggest responsibilities that we have to form. And as a coach, as a teacher, as a leader, we have opportunities to feed into our kids' lives that are um, entrusted to us. But we sometimes have a little bit of hangups. Would you agree with this, Chris? And hangups that we sometimes make a little bit of. Um, we, <laughs> you we, looked at me and you said, we sometimes have hangups. Wouldn't you agree, Chris? <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of hangups, Angie. That's absolutely true. Yeah. But things that we would say would be um, uh, traps, um, opportunities to get caught into something. And sometimes it's just awareness. And so that's what I'd like to talk a little bit about um, some of those traps, um, how we can become more aware. And so, Don, you um, had a couple great ones. Um, so let's uh, kind of talk through this. One is we have to know who we are, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes we forget a little bit. And this is one of the concepts that I I just um, thought through even this morning, identity amnesia. We forget sometimes as parents who we are and who God created us to be. And so we use our kids um, for that replacement. Mm -hmm. And, um, in that, um, you have anything to say to that or any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's just not getting tied up in, like I just said, what's happening in, in day to day and our performance and our behavior. Um, because we have to know who our source of truth is. We tell our kids all the time and I tell others, I tell students this, I'm like, I hate that this happened or this kid said this, but I'm like, the world is hard. People are mean. In their sin nature, the world is mean, but who's your source of truth? Is it what this person is saying or doing, or is God your source of truth? And so even as a parent, I have to help my kids. And, and you know, even John and I struggle with this when, when stuff like that happens. Like, I got to run to Jesus and figure out, like, okay, God, tell me who I am. Tell me how this moment um does or doesn't define me. And I think it's just kind of navigating through that with them. Mm-hmm. John does a really good job. I, I worked under John at Woodview um, Elementary, and he does a really good job of speaking truth into his staff members. And one of the things I remember him telling me is, God's perception of you, the world's perception of you. And and which one are you believing and which one are you putting into practice every day? Um, which one's determining the steps you take with the skills and abilities the Lord has given you? And so uh, I will say I, I've been able to see that firsthand from from the Payne family, and, and even in how Don, how your kids respond to different perceptions of them or different 
um, seasons of life that they're in, it just seems like they are well grounded in those principles. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think along the way too, like even as students, it's being as a teacher, one of the things I think people struggle with is being able to separate a, a student's behavior from their identity. Because again, we have students who come into our life that just they you know, their home life is different and they don't maybe act or behave the way I would want my kids, but it's being able to separate those two because they're not equal. They're not the same. And it's really hard, I think, to be able to see people with spiritual eyes. And I've had those moments in conversations where it's like, I'm having this vertical conversation with God. At the same time, I might be interacting with a student or my kids. And it's like, okay, God, give me eyes to see this kid or this student, how you see them. Or, you know, even as I interact with women in the, or other teachers in, in, in work, it's, okay, maybe it's not going how I want it to go, but God, give me eyes to see them how you do. And, and he does. He shifts things in our hearts. Yeah. There's a trap in that, too, sometimes when, when you're not necessarily seeing a change in a student that you want to see, you start viewing their behavior as maybe a part of your problem and it's it's me it's I'm the reason that they're not able to get from here to here and so that becomes a part of maybe how you view your identity too maybe yeah. I'm not good at getting this kid from here to here what am I doing wrong so mm-hmm. that's just, I think we do that as parents yeah. too I mean we, it's not just as um, a teacher in the classroom mm-hmm. or like think about this on the um, in coaching like why can't I get my team to por- perform this play correctly it's on me as a coach I didn't teach them the plays right and sometimes right. this is um, really important that uh, we identify where we're, we um, trust the Lord with who we are and I kind of came up with um, a, a scripture that kind of settles this uh, debate Psalms 139 um, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and I know this full well. And a lot of times we have to fall back in who created us and that he created us each individually. We each have gifts. We each have talents. And we can't replace them with the things that are around us, with our kids, Mm -hmm. with our job, with our accomplishments, even even other people's performances, like you said. You you talk about coaching, and this is kind of a connection Dawn and I have. So I've, I've coached. Uh, a couple of her children in different sports. And uh, one year I was coaching Claire mm-hmm. in basketball and we, we had a hot start. I think we started off 10 and 0 and I was feeling pretty good about my identity. I'll just be honest um, and, and coaching. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then we played some really tough teams and we, we just got smacked. I think 30 point losses, maybe back to back, something like that. And I just remember thinking on the sideline, my face was flushed. I just felt hot and nervous. Uh, and, and thinking, what are these parents going to say? What's their perception of me as I walk off the court? And and one of the first people, Dawn used to coach basketball as well at the high school level. And one of the first people I ran into was Dawn. And I remember saying, you probably forget this. I do. I, I don't remember. I remember just almost giving excuses of why we weren't there. And you said something along the lines of, the girls are playing good. They're just not as skilled as these other girls are yet. But by the time they get to high school, they'll be right there with them. And honestly... I want to say the team we were playing was probably Northridge. And the other night, the girls played Northridge, and it was a competitive game. Mm-hmm. And and we have some injuries, too. And yeah. so I just think back to that, and, and Dawn, just off the cuff, speaking truth into my life in that authentic moment of, hey, this isn't your identity. This is just kind of where they're at right now. This has nothing to do with who you are. And so, yeah, 
Yeah. Random and I think we fall into that even as parents. I talked this morning at Mott's, like as a parent, you know, when you've got a kid who's like really compliant and easygoing, like I fell in that trap because I'm like, wow, I got this parenting thing down. Like I am good. And then you have a kid who just, they've got to make their own way and maybe they're not as compliant. And then my pendulum would swing the other way. And I'm like, I'm a terrible mom. Like my, my identity as a mom was previously totally based on my kids behavior and that dictated and it's like man the bottom would fall out of that all the time <laughs> when you because, go to the grocery store yes. and yeah i had two babies twins in the in the cart together and it was just chaos yeah so i totally know what you're saying and everybody you you just feel yeah their empathy but yet at their criticism at the same time yeah and so again yeah. that identity has yeah. got to be grounded in yep. something else because Storms are going to come. We know that. Like, life is not easy. Like, life is hard. It really is. Mm -hmm. Angie, I, I like the verse that you shared about being fearfully and wonderfully made. And if we could somehow work that in as our default as we mature and grow in, in Christ, but also just in life, if we could somehow embed that into our children, into our students, into our future adults, boy, that would really change, change the game, wouldn't it? Yeah. It's just like like I use the word amnesia. We just forget it so easily who we are. Yeah. And um, it's so important. So there's another trap. Yeah. So I like this, that you guys talked about uh, forgetting who we are, but also the comparison game. I tell you what, comparing ourselves to others uh, is a challenge. I can remember uh, my dad was, I, I think, a very good pastor, uh, and I was following in his footsteps, and and he had a good pastor voice, and then I find myself in, in ministry now trying to figure out who am I. And so I'm young. I can remember a time in Sturgis, Michigan. Uh, we had this uh, we had this Palm, uh, not Palm Sunday, Good Friday service, and it was going to be on the radio, uh, kind of an ecumenical, all these churches growing, coming together. And I had this part in it, and uh, Shauna at the end says, hey, you want to hang around and, and go to lunch with these people? Or, and I said, no, I, I want to go home and listen on the radio. I, I get to hear myself on the radio. And, and it got to my part, and I'm like, shh, 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 shh. And, and then I come on and I sound like this. I want you to turn with me to, I'm like, and I looked at my wife and I said, why have you not told me I sound like this? And it was just that comparison game. I was trying to be somebody different. And I think we play this in a lot of aspects of life, how we compare. So talk to us about this and, and the role this plays in identity. Yeah. Dawn, why don't you feed into that? I will. I actually have a little bit of a story. Um, so my childhood was not... It, it, it was okay. I made it. I'm here. But I think for me, as I became a parent, I tried so hard to do everything that my parents didn't do. So I was like, okay, or, or did do. So it was like whatever they did, and I thought it was bad, I was going to make sure I did the opposite. And I was spending so much time and energy trying to just be not them. And it was, it was God hit me at just the right time when he's like, no, like what your kids don't need you to not be what your mom and dad were. They need you to be exactly who I've made you to be because that's what they need in this game of parenting and discipling and that. And I'm like, yeah, but it, it, there was still a little bit of an identity crisis in me of like, I don't know who I am. 
Like I need God to download that to me and really have some intense conversations of like, okay, well then who am I? Because if I need to be who he's made me to be, but I don't know who that is, like I need to kind of figure that out and get on that journey so that I can be what my kids need me to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I think, Brian, I'm going to ask you a question because you're in this um, cycle right now as a parent. You have different kids all kind of really in the big formation stage. They're learning how to walk. They're learning how to talk. They're learning how to read. I mean, you got a lot of stuff going on (laughs) and it's easy for you to take, well, you know, why didn't Archer do this? Mm. Hutch did this then, you know, and I just remember those days. And, um, but I think we often can easily as parents compare sibling to sibling and that's, that's a red flag. Yeah. Uh, one, one of my mom's best friends when I was in high school, uh, told her, and I, and I've still remembered this parenting is just a judgmental game and for different parents to just criticize each other. Right. <laughs> um, and it's a, it's, it's a lie. Um, but it's also reality. And in, in some cases, like these are thoughts that people are having, but it doesn't mean they're true. Um, I'll say this Hutch walked at 10 months and was speaking pretty, you know, in, in three word phrases, pretty close to that as well. Archer was not even crawling at 10 months. And I was already on the phone with first steps like, hey, (laughs) something's wrong with this kid. Uh, And and they're just like, give it till he's two, you know, those kind of things. Like, just why why is this guy worrying about this? But it was based off of my perception on how Francie and I did as parents. That's why I thought with Hutch, what are we not doing with Archer? Why is he not talking? What, what, What is going on? And so automatically, again, like Don was alluding to, started labeling ourselves as maybe we're, maybe we're inconsistent in our parenting styles. Maybe we're not doing things, you know, the way we should be doing them. So, um, Logan now is our 10 month old and it's just like, eh, then he does it. He does it. And we're doing all right. We're doing the, so like, I feel, and, and maybe this is a relate, a, a relating factor with all parents. The more you parent kids, uh, the less you really care about the other perspective. It's just like, this is, this is who we are in our parenting style. We know we're grounded in faith and, and the things that we're doing um, honors the Lord. It, it really doesn't matter what other people think. But initially, it, it was really hard. Yeah. Right, right. I think we often get caught looking at, well, why isn't my family like this? Or mm-hmm. why isn't my family do this? And or my kid involved in this? Well, this, this is what's correct. And so I think you, um, Dawn, really alluded, which I think this ties to the whole idea of labeling people. And even your your children, which happens to be the easy child, like you Mm -hmm. said, or the hard child. And um, Chris is smiling over here because he's often said this. And I know this because I can say this. And um, he's admitted it from the platform that he gave his mom. I have no idea what you're going to say. No, you you, um, have said that, you know, you've given your poor mom so much grief. But yet, you know, that's even a label that we and I say this in reality is that we put it on ourselves, too, and we label ourselves. So talk to me a little bit about this whole idea of labels, Dawn, and um, how that can be really a big trap we fall into. Yeah, I think you start to define your kids. Again, I feel like a lot of those labels come from behavior. We start to define them by how they act, how they interact. And I was telling some of the moms downstairs, I'm like, if you are parenting more than one kid, one of them's going to be easier than the other. And that's just, that's part of parenting. Um, But I think a lot of times you assign these labels and then we almost give life to it because it's like we keep, we put it on repeat. And then 
your brain will find evidence of whatever it is that you're looking for. So if, if a student or a kid, if you have, if you believe that that kid is annoying or lazy, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're going to find evidence that will prove that. And so it's like, okay, my job then is to go to the source and say, um, you know, one year I taught fifth grade a couple of years ago and for there, and I've had one mom come back and she's like, we still have it. We love it. Mm -hmm. But for Christmas, I put together something online and you could get it in the shape of like a Christmas tree. And I spent time praying over my students and just asking God for like just some identity words. And I put that, and that was my gift to them. And it was things and it was like, okay, God, like maybe this kid, I don't always see it, but give me eyes to see in the classroom. What are some of those identity words and, and who you've made them to be and let me give that to them so that they can like soak that in. And, and so I think it's, again, just asking God, we talked a lot downstairs just about like listening. And I mean, I use the word revelation. Somebody might say differently, but man, sometimes we just need God to speak it to our heart. And that's different than someone giving me their opinion. And I spent a lot of years of my life going around, you know, asking pros and cons. And now, what do you think? What do you, and it's like, no, what I really needed was just to spend some time alone with God and let him show that to me. Right. I think um, a good way to say it is we put on, and I love how you said this, um, uh, we need to put on positive words. Mm-hmm. And the uh, labels need to be positive. What is the first thing we speak through? What lens do we look through automatically in our natural self? It's usually negative. And it's usually, well, you're the, the child that's hard or you're maybe um, struggling in this area. Mm-hmm. Or why didn't you, you know, like really on the criticizing side and really our desire is really to put the label on the positive. And I love how you said that identity words and things that are that give proof to mm-hmm. who they are in Christ. Yeah. And I think that's so important. Um, I also think we, as in our words, we don't realize the power of our words. And that's kind of where I want to finish in our discussion here is that words make a difference mm-hmm. and they change our perspective. And so um, I think you mentioned today, Dawn, downstairs, that there are some qualifying statements that you do not say in your home. Mm -hmm. And so how important these words um, are that come out of our mouths and how that brings um, life to our identity or kills our identity Mm -hmm. and like keeps us in a place that's not positive. Yeah. Um, So I did talk about, so again, like when God identified himself in the wilderness in the Old Testament, he said, I am that I am. And Mm -hmm. so in our house, we are very, um, we are pretty strict on making I am and you are statements. So, you know, we don't let our kids say, you, you're a liar. Uh, what? Stop. Okay. Yeah. Did they lie? Yes, but they are not a liar. God does not make liars. And so again, and, and I think too, once you start to look for identity stuff, I, man, I can grab a hold of it in conversations and I'll hear someone at work say, I'm just angry. That's who I am. And it's like, oh, I pick my, my spirit picks up on it. And it's like, no, your life experiences have created pain and hurt and anger flows through that, but that's not who you are. And so again, like, I don't want to say anything. I don't want my kids to say anything that just makes agreements, mm-hmm. you know, with their words, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. And I think it was good. Go ahead. Brent. Yeah, I'll add this to kids and, and students will meet the expectations of who you say they are. And, and I think Don alluded to that a little bit as well. 
Um, but adults do the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I'll, I'll jump back just a little bit. For so long uh, as a, a young adult, I, I viewed who I was based off of who my parents were, who my grandparents were. Um, you know, I, I shared the other night at, at an event that my both my grandfathers were kind of looked at in a negative light. One grandfather was uh, super fus- physical, physically abusive. Uh, my other one, you know, committed suicide right in front of my dad. Hmm. Um, and, and then dad, my dad was was unfaithful in his marriage to my mom and they split and in all of these things. And, and so now when I'm when I'm parenting, whenever I have different uh, issues with anger, like I'm, I feel like I'm quick to anger in a lot of ways. I blame it on them in my mind. I, I just do. And there's been times I've actually spoken it aloud. Like, I'm sorry, you know, Francie, I'm sorry I reacted in anger and that. I think that's just a part of like my, my past and, and that bondage and, and those kind of things. But I've spoken that truth over myself that I am an angry person because they were angry people. And this, you know, I'm having my own revolution right now of, no, I'm, I'm not that. I, I mm-hmm. acted in anger, but I'm not angry. And, and that lie of who I am is something I need to, to break and, and give over to God. No, I'm his. He's created me to be totally anew mm-hmm. and, and um, given me a, a fresh start. I, I'm, I've been born again. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, yeah. That's good stuff. Chris, you had a few things. You know, as as we begin to start to wind this down just a little bit, Don, you said something just a minute ago that really stuck out to me. It was the idea around labels and how we tend to look for evidences of those labels. And so I guess my question is to bring this back to home. uh, We have probably mothers listening. Mm -hmm. We have fathers listening. How do we begin? And this is a question for any of you. How do we begin to help them? change the evidences that they're looking for? Because I think that's a real practical question for today. Mm -hmm. I do. I do think that. Dawn, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, it was funny because at my table, we were talking a little bit. And so I had a mom that was kind of asking about it. And I, and I told her, I said, it's, it's God intended us every day. He gave manna in the wilderness and it was daily. And so I'm like, we can't just ask on Saturday, Hey, help me see where my kid is kind. And then just kind of, it's every day, God, give me evidence, show me today. Like, I know I'm believing that my kid is lazy, but you've actually made them diligent, but I need you to give me spiritual eyes today. Show me something that, that, that registers in me of like, oh, they are being diligent. And again, it, it's doing that every day until you actually start to believe it in your heart. I would say there's this um, thing that we do in our house, and many of you guys know um, our kids, our two girls swim. This is a um, a difficult thing. Um, in swimming, one of the most positive things you can do is fail, and that's a reality. Because you get in the pool and you fail your set, you learn um, not only to overcome the physical and to do something different, but you overcome how you feel mentally because failure is not easy, but it's a learning tool. And I think so often um, we 
try to uh, keep our kids on the positive. Like, oh, you're the winner. Like everybody gets a ribbon. Every like, there's lots of um, winners and um, trophies going out. But I think in our society, we've begun to label the person who um, fails as the loser. You know, like mm-hmm. the kids. You've you've heard it, Brant, haven't you? In the hallway, loser, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a huge label. Yep. And I think to give a um, answer to this is we have to learn how to fail and fail well and build the resilience back to know that we're not defined by that failure. Mm-hmm. We actually can learn and grow and understand ourselves better and who we are and maybe how we respond differently mm-hmm. the next time. Go ahead. It, it's that whole response to adversity, right? Um, we, we preach this to kids mm-hmm. all the time. And then as adults, I feel like we fail at it so much. You know, the other, the other week we got uh, a Wii U for our family. It's like our family gift. And so Hutch has been playing Mario Kart. And he starts off, this is the, the child's heart for you. He starts off, he's hitting all the walls. He has no idea he's quote unquote <laughs> failing. Right. He's just happy to be spending time with us as a family doing something where we're laughing and we're playing and and uh, and, and that as the as the week goes on, he gets to be pretty good at this game. Uh, and, and he's starting to finish within the like top five or whatever. Um, and then he starts seeing the numbers in the corner. It, it, it went in phases. And now he realizes I'm not winning. There's people in front of me. And so now when we're playing as a family. His question constantly became, Dad, am I winning? Dad, am I winning? Are you in front of me, Dad? Did I win? And Francie and I have tried so hard to redirect him every time we play. And, bud, we are spending time as a family. It is not, it is not about winning in this scenario. Uh, we just want to have fun with you. Mm-hmm. And, and it's okay if you don't win. So here's, here's the trap we found ourselves in. We started off by saying, yep, you're winning. And then I, I was talking to Francie when he went to bed the other night. I was like, I don't like that. I don't, I don't want to tell him he's winning. He's not winning. And so the next day we're like, no, buddy, you're not winning. <laughs> and he was like, what? And he starts to get mad. And it's like, it's okay that you're not winning. But you're, you're not winning. Actually, daddy's winning. <laughs> Mommy's winning. Or the computer's beating us both. Yeah. Um, and to watch him navigate through that, he had some friends over the other day. And he goes, can we? And we're usually big on, no, you're not playing games when friends are over. Um, but he was so excited to show them his Wii and we're like, fine, you can play a couple games of Mario Kart. His friends have never played. And so, I mean, they're five and six. And so they're playing this game and Hutch is just dominating. Mm-hmm. But his friends are at the state that he was a couple weeks ago, right? They are hitting the wall. They don't care. They're just happy to be playing. It was such a proud moment, right? For me to watch Hutch or hear about Hutch, Francie was watching him, hear about Hutch, come over and say, hey, buddy, can I help you with this? Let me show you how to do this. Yeah. And, and it wasn't about winning in that scenario. It was about, hey, let me walk alongside of you. You might be failing right now. Let me walk alongside yeah. of you to, until you get to the point where I'm at. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway. I think there's one more step in that. And the only other step is as parents, do we give the space for our kids to fail? And I'm, I just yeah. give you an example is that sometimes because we're so caught up in what comparison or other things or having our lines, this is a perfect example, having our lines straight in the lawn. We don't teach our kids at a certain age to mow the lawn. Mm. Uh, Guilty. <laughs> 
because we don't allow them. Guess what? Sure, yeah. um, you know, Dan, we were talking about this because, yeah, uh, Cole has a different ability than the girls. The girls swim. They've learned a lot and built their character through um, a lot of adversity and a lot of failure. Cole builds it through true failure of building an engine and it not turning on. Sure. And had Dan said, no, you can't do that. You're too young to try that. Mm -hmm. Or we put him on a mower because, you know, who else is going to mow the acreage of lawn that we have? And we allow him to not make the straight line. So I just challenge the parent to think through who are you, you know, what is the space you're allowing your kids to fail to build this identity and this character Mm -hmm. in them? This has been a good conversation. And to the listener, to the mom who's listening to this, to the dad who's listening to this, I want to encourage you with some phrases we use around here in our church. And uh, you may be feeling overwhelmed. You may be looking at your child and wondering, you know, how am I, How should I be doing this better? Uh, or feel the pressure as a parent. You, you may be putting so much pressure on yourself that it's not even fair to you uh, trying to live in the culture that you're trying to live in. I want to encourage you uh, to the listener this morning. You have to let God do his part. God has a part, you have a part. You have to do your part, but you can't do more than your part. You can't do God's part. You can do your part, but you also have to let your child do their part. You have to expect that your child does their part, but at the same point, you can't do their part for them. So I think this is a, you have to look at this as a triad, God's part, your part, and your child's part. Folks, this has been a good conversation. We hope that you've enjoyed it. Uh, We hope that you found some benefit in this. Uh, We're here for you. As a church, we're here for you. And uh, we want to resource you well as a parent uh, in these types of topics. Yeah, I just want to thank Dawn for coming today and joining us um, downstairs um, with a group of ladies and also here in the podcast. Yeah, you're welcome. I loved it. Yeah. And thank you, Brant. Thanks for um, adding your um, two cents in and coming up here. Thanks for having me. Yes. Excellent. Well, thanks. Until next time, uh, enjoy grace and peace. At Home, the podcast is produced by the Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting walkiemc.org and clicking on the At Home tab. Thanks for listening.